Looking to keep up with recruiting trends and headlines? You're in the right place. Welcome to Career Crossroads, the premier talent acquisition community. Online at www.cxr.works with your host, Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin. Uh, pleasant good afternoon, everyone. This is Jerry Crispin uh, from Career Crossroads. I'm uh, surrounded by a whole group of uh, interesting characters uh, from uh, Mary Grace from Gra uh, Grace Rock and uh, Martin Burns from Higher Clicks, uh, as well as several practitioners who we'll introduce in just a minute. Our goal in the next uh, 30 to 45 to 60 minutes at the most is to begin a discussion about Source of Hire, one that started a couple weeks ago at Unleash um, and was actually inspired by a post that Mary Grace uh, did uh, about a month or so ago talking about uh, source of hire and some of the problems and challenges uh, and as well as advantages if we could finally figure out how to do it relatively well we might actually infer some great great things about how we could improve um, our decision making from a practitioner point of view. Uh, so with that said um, let me turn it over to Mary Grace to uh, get us started and let's talk a little bit about source of hire. Thanks, Gary. <clears throat> Greetings, everyone. I'm happy to be joining this team of talent acquisition professionals to talk about, you know, what we've historically called a source of hire. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with, with all of you at some point along the way in, in my career, and um, I'm going to turn it over to you guys to do introductions. So, Jen, if you could kick us off with uh, practitioner introductions, and then we'll get into things from there. Sure. Thanks, Mary Grace. Hi, I'm Jennifer Tracy. I am a VP of Recruiting Solutions for Spectrum. And basically what that oversees is it's a COE function within our organization that oversees assessments, employment branding, uh, recruiting operations, as well as our specialty recruiting and diversity military and university. Great, happy to have you on today. Alain, how about over to you? Great. Hi. Um, so my name is Lynn Bailey. I am part of Intel's Global Talent Acquisition Team. Um, my focus is managing our transformation as we start to transform from focusing on transactions to relationships. And so I've been driving that work for the last three or four years um, and continuing forward as we go into their next evolution. And Adam, I've lost your video, but are you still on with us? I'm here, yeah. Um, I can see I can see everyone and see my own video, so hopefully there you are. other people can see my, my beautiful face. Uh, I'm, I'm Adam Eisenstein, the Global Recruiting Brand Manager for BCG, Boston Consulting Group. I joined there about five years ago and uh, oversee the, uh, all the recruiting brand functions uh, across BCG, 50 offices, 90-plus countries. Um, previously was at McGraw-Hill, uh, then became McGraw-Hill Financial. <laughs> Before that, I was just another theater and, and film guy in New York trying to, to, you know, struggle and get a living. So I found my way into a, a new and better place. Great. Happy to have you all with us today. Um, I'm going to start us off with just a, a little bit of a conversation. So, um, Martin, Martin Burns and Jerry and I last week were at the Unleash conference. And um, one of the keynotes there was by someone named Peter Henson, and he's the founder of Nextworks. And their goal is inspiring organizations to act on their day after tomorrow. Um, he talked about how the world is moving past digital and onto cognitive. And um, he also talked about 
you know, how folks spend their time today. A lot focused on today, a little bit on what's happening tomorrow and not so much thinking about that day after tomorrow. And, you know, he, he encourages folks to flip that mindset. Um, and so one time he was giving this talk to a leader and the person came up and drew on his chart and said, you forgot something that's actually a big part of my day. I'll call it the SOI. And he's like, what, what is that? And he said, the shit of yesterday. <laughs> so the reason I bring this up is because, you know, we have been here for a long time talking about, um, you know, source of hire. And I think if there's anything that's mired in the SOI when it comes to recruiting, it's the SOH or source of hire, um, as it's long been called. Um, you know, and why we're here today is really to learn from you guys as practitioners how we can think about moving the dialogue forward on this topic um, and what, what both practitioners can be thinking about and what the providers uh, can be thinking about as well. Um, so again, thanks for taking the time. We're going to start um, with each of you guys sharing a glimpse of your world um, and your process of how you're getting to that day after tomorrow when it comes to your recruiting strategy specifically. And, um, you know, with that, I'm going to turn things over to Adam and let you talk a little bit. Great. Yes. Um, I, I will spend a decent amount of time on that, on that SOI um, and hopefully make everybody feel a, a little better about some of their own, their own struggles with source tracking. Um, <clears throat> when I started my recruiting brand journey at, at McGraw-Hill, they had three separate major business areas, but, but they were starting to kind of coalesce the, the global uh, recruiting function that went across all of them. And so because of that, uh, I was able to help advance the sort of metrics and tracking capabilities, and take it, the recruitment advertising in-house away from the using uh, the metrics and source data to help us make some of those advertising decisions. <clears throat> when I came to BCG five years ago, you know, I found a very different kind of landscape and, and a, a very different kind of business as, as consulting, management consulting is. It's a, it's a highly decentralized world uh, with uh, recruiting functions across consulting teams, <clears throat> but uh, really is driven at a, at a local level. Uh, and then with the addition of new business brands, uh, um, either by acquisition or by developing them internally, the landscape uh, became quite complicated with four different application tracking systems in play right across the system. Um, longstanding relationships on the core consulting side, uh, you know, BCG's brand for, for consulting and hiring at the campus level was super strong, you know, years, decades of time spent with, with these specific sources. But as the growth of BCG uh, move them into needing more experienced hires, needing to hire people directly into different practice areas, which was something new. Um, expanding to, to digital capabilities of, of hiring a, a lot of data scientists for BCG Gamma or, or IT architects for BCG Platinian uh, or kind of startup, uh, startup-minded people for BCG Digital Ventures the picture became very, very complex. Um, so to, to get source tracking pan BCG uh, became really near impossible. And, and at this point, it still is. Um, but the, the sort of lesson that, that I can, can bring to the table here is as these groups started to come together and, and push for a more inclusive 
branding and an external presence that can support recruiting uh, across all of these different business areas. I've taken it as an opportunity to start to educate some of these different areas on the importance of source tracking. If we're going to start to have uh, a real unified global recruiting brand, we need some unified global recruiting processes uh, and to start the process of bringing people together um, into a, a, a unified application tracking system and a unified agreement on what metrics are important uh, and how we can use them so that we can then make data driven decisions about recruiting, uh, also make data driven decisions for our marketing spend, for our branding, uh, and improve the candidate experience. So where we are today with, with BCG is obviously we, we have our top sources, campus recruiting, still really strong, a lot more agency use than people <clears throat> would like to have. Um, and it's at a moment where it, there's a real, uh, there's a real, I think, tipping point here that, that's happening where we have all these people now, that we have their attention um, because of, of the, the lack of source metrics and, and other metrics and now much better understanding that everybody is going to need to work together to, uh, to make some compromises on, on platforms for the greater good of all. Thanks for sharing, Adam. I know, I know you're not alone in having multiple systems and therefore uh, serious data challenges. Um, so thanks for sharing and being, you know, open and honest about, about the pain, the pain that, that, that caused this cause therein. So good stuff. Pain is real. The struggle is real, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Jen, I'm going to pass it over to you. All right. Thank you. So in uh, 2016, we had the pleasure of merging three companies together. Um, and really what that meant is we got to rebuild everything that supports HR. And this provided that perfect convergence of beginning with the end in mind. And, uh, you know, unlike it sounds like what Adam had on, in his organization, we actually went back to having one system for everything that we did. And so that was helpful. And, you know, any metrics journey that you're on should always have strong partnerships between, you know, your ATS and your agency and your vendors. Um, like and my internal resources like HR technology and our brand teams and it's also never done and so what you're looking at on the screen here um, you know really represents my function serves as a COE to our recruiting leaders in our business unit and so um, this is showing our enterprise level net metrics but it's also something that I provide as a sort um, as a, a report out to our business unit leaders so they can see their metrics on a monthly basis um, and we do that in partnership with TMP and what that allows us to do is to provide the shared account accountability. My team is responsible for that overall spend, but at the same time, it allows that recruiting leader, if something's not right or they're still not seeing enough hires, we have a conversation, a meaningful conversation about what we might need to do to optimize. Um, the two key metrics that I'll talk about actually for the next couple of slides are really centered around um, cost per application and cost per hire, and that's really how I drive a lot of our, our decision making. So if we can move to the next slide, um, this, this slide really shows you the cost per application at the enterprise level again, um, year to date. And what that allows me to see is where are things performing, what works well, what doesn't work well. If you look at Facebook, that tends to be more of an awareness um, driver for us than actual conversion, and that's okay. Um, but having a really good understanding of where you sit with all these different resources is really helpful. Um, and if we could go to the next slide, it'll show you that same lens 
but really at the cost per hire level. And, um, you know, not surprising, something like a Dice is a niche site for us is, is pretty high compared to something like an Indeed, which is much more, um, much more reasonable, and, and Google, which is the most reasonable. So if we keep looking forward, the on the next slide, you'll see actually a, a eyesore, but this is what's um, really helpful for me as being that consultant to the business. I actually can then show each business unit, which is what you're seeing across the top of the screen and versus the source down the side to show the different levels of um, source optimization. And, you know, we really look at our business in two different buckets of hiring. We have our high volume on the customer ops side and field ops and our sales and marketing roles. And then we have our, our lower volume positions, which is cable operations, which is our product team, our network operations, which is what powers our customers' network, um, and so on and so forth. And so we break those out, and obviously, depending on the volume and also um, the um, level of, of interest from the business, we modify their marketing plans accordingly. And so certainly, last but not least, this is um, the last slide shows you the cost for hire, and this is really kind of where we drive. We try and drive to that $10 cost per application and 244 cost per hire. Um, this was really a, the start of our journey. We first kind of got up our, our new career site. Then we did these first reports in 2017. Um, more recently, we actually launched an amplified version of Metrics Gateway, which is a product um, that we've helped build out. And the way that I approach source of hire, I look at it as an education tool to ensure that the recruiters that are in our organization are making meaningful decisions and understanding um, what and where is happening for them so that they can become experts in, in recruiting. And so the Metrics Gateway platform goes to the rec level um, as well as to the um, recruiter level so they can see what, what is happening in their area. Um, and more recently or, or coming later this summer, we have a version two that's going to incorporate our brass ring data as because like I look at the optimal view of getting the source of hire incorporating not only these digitally tracked pieces, but also making sure that we take a look at the softer pieces. So you saw Adam talk a lot about campus recruiting or employer referrals. I think all of those things layered together is really the true source. Um, and so that's where we'll go next. Pretty awesome what you've got. So kudos. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you had any advice to somebody on a journey of trying to get to where they have metrics like this, yes. you know, if, if you were to give advice to Adam today, um, what, what would it be for how, how to move in this direction? I would say you have to start with, with getting, and he mentioned earlier, getting the, the processes aligned to at least certain touch points. All of our business units will tell you they have different processes to a certain degree, but there are certain touch points we've agreed to that we're going to track so that we can report out as an entity, as talent acquisition professionals. Um, that's where I would start. Um, and then trying to the best of your ability to align systems, um, if you can. Um, sometimes that's possible, sometimes it's not. Um, we have, you know, on our customer side, we have billing systems that aren't aligned. So I, I understand that. But those are the two places I would start. Great. All right, Alain, we are going to move on over to you. Okay, great. Um, so, source of source of hire, and I actually will tell you, we're actually starting to move towards thinking about this as more of source of influence. Um, is 
important data for us, but one of the things I want to preface this by is saying we've really been exploring what the value of that data source is for us and using that to help define how we want to align looking at that data, right? Um, so um, I actually have a, a, a peer I work with here who frequently says the data itself, the indicator itself is trivia, right? What really makes it valuable is the context by which it is applied and what questions it is able to answer for us and how we help the organization leverage it. So when we look at source of hire or source of influence data, what we're very specifically looking at is what types of questions are we trying to answer. Um, and as I say this, I'm going to tell you this is our intention. We are not by any means golden at figuring out how this data is accurate or does it actually get us to the accurate answer of what we're looking for in each of these places. But we know this is what we're trying to trying to accomplish. So I mentioned that we're moving from this um, space of looking at relationships versus transactions or kind of looking at individual hires. And so one of the things we need to understand from our source of um, source of hire data or source of influence data is um, how well does an individual source um, actually generate pipeline contacts for us. So we want to be able to understand both how does it help us get people into our pipeline so we can manage and engage with them, as well as how well does it do at converting specifically to applicants and then obviously to the higher space. Um, so one of the things we're trying to understand for each of our um, source points is where in the journey do they fall um, and how do they help facilitate each of those different steps. The second big question um, that we're trying to address and answer is how well does it relate, um, does it perform relative to other sources, right? So looking at it at two places, one, both the applicant conversion space and the higher conversion space. And as we started to explore this data, one of the things that we're finding is that there's, you know, you mentioned this a little bit, Jen, when you're talking about um, your indicators, right? Some of our sources are much more valuable um, during the journey a candidate is taking. Um, it's much more of a capture mechanism um, or even a um, influence mechanism, um, not necessarily something that you would just attribute directly to source of hire, which is one of the reasons why as we look at this data, we're finding if we look at the data just from an ATS perspective, what we get is last touch point, right? Last touch point tells us very little. It, it tells us the very last thing that somebody did. It tells me nothing about how they got there or the journey that they kind of went through as they they did that. So as we've been taking our CRM and combining our CRM data with our ATS data, we started to get the next layer, which started to show us a little bit about the entry and exit of people into our pipeline and, and what was happening there from a source perspective. Um, but we realized we actually needed one more layer on top of that, which was looking at all the individual sources and how could we get that data to draw a fuller picture for us around the overall candidate journey. Um, what was the pathing people were taking as they go from one source to the next source? And how could we use that information um, to both personalize the journey we're driving candidates through, but also be more purposeful in the types of content and messaging we're placing in those particular places? Um, so that's been a, a big um, process for us as we've gone through that. I will tell you, um, literally the biggest challenge is having all of that data speak to each other. Right. So how do we take all these multiple sources of data, um, sources of data talking about sources, right? How do we take all of those individual pieces and have them have a common language amongst each other um, and also have a centralized way at which I can take that data and visualize it and leverage it so that I can help tell the stories across the organization. Um, and that fundamentally has been our biggest um, challenge and opportunity as we started to move forward. 
Um, we also, as we've gone through this journey, are seeing the biggest change in who leverages and uses this data. So when we were looking at it just as source of higher data, um, then it was very specifically used as part of the operational indicators for the operations team to say, how much impact are we having against a particular requisition or a particular um, job code? Um, now as we start to look at it as source of influence data, the consumers of this information is much more our recruitment marketing teams um, and our sourcing teams, um, trying to understand how they can personalize and influence um, how they capture and manage the candidate engagement throughout the journey, which changes what I need um, from the vendors I work with in terms of the, the reporting, the types of um, information that I need in order to answer those questions. Yeah, I think it's fascinating how you've got, you know, like this, you know, 5.58 touches per contact, um, you know, and the concept of, and I don't know how well people can see what's over on the right rail because our pictures are there. Um, <laughs> But it's, you know, top first sources, top last sources, so knowing what's the first source that, what, what's bringing people in and, and what are the last things that, that, that people are, are interacting with um, as well. Right. Really cool stuff. And, what, and one of the things that becomes really critical as you look at that data, Mary Grace, for us is trying to understand um, not just at a global level uh, why, how, what's happening first and last, and it becomes much more important now to understand by audience. So needing to be able to segment it by audience, not just campaign, um, has been a challenge as well. Yeah. So great stuff. Um, so there is a survey that, um, that we've used as part of this process, and we asked a number of people where they are in their, their journey on this topic. Um, and I want to ask you guys some of those same questions so they can – you know, if you've taken the survey or if you take the survey in the future, um, which if you go to gracerock.com slash source of hire, you'll find the survey there. Um, but the, the survey questions I'm going to go through and we're also going to share the, the results of the, the first people that have taken the survey. We've got, you know, a couple dozen who have taken it um, and we are going to leave it open and continue to gather data on this. Um, but just want to add some color of you know, from this context of the experience that you guys each have and the, the, the capabilities and where you are and the maturity of, of understanding and leveraging this information to help drive uh, strategy at your company is kind of where you guys fall on these topics. So we're going to move into that. Um, all right. So, so we've, seen, we've seen the metrics that, that, that you have or don't have. Um, how confident are you that the overall data that you're using um, and that you receive um, in source tracking is actually um, reliable data. Um, and Alain, we'll, I'll start off with, uh, with you on this one, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, I can wax on this one for a very long time, but I can tell you that we're not confident at all. Um, and in fact, um, one of the biggest challenges we have is when um, we get data from multiple sources and it is different right, um, in any way, right? Um, the way in which one vendor or one source may talk about clicks versus another source, um, the way my CRM captures the click versus Indeed captures the click versus the APS captures the click means I've got three different um, numbers that I'm looking at for source of, um, source of hire or source of influence. Um, and although I think at a, at a larger level, we can, all, we can abstract general trends from that information, 
what becomes challenging is when I have to go back and work with the particular um, team or, or business group and talk about what this data is telling them, um, they immediately get wrapped around the axle around why one says 15 clicks and one says 300 clicks. And I'm trying to explain that it's a different, um, it's a different definition of clicks and it's all fine <laughs> and it really means the same thing. Nobody believes that, right? Um, and all that does is complicate the, the ability for us to be able to manage the business. So I honestly don't know when I look at my data how reliable it is. Um, I don't trust it um, in terms of, you know, specific um, specific numbers. I look at it only um, in terms of being able to give me trends and to be able to give me some sort of sense of what's going on. Um, but that puts me as a, somebody who's trying to drive um, business change or business decision across the organization in a very challenging position because I am then forced to say, I don't believe it either, but it's okay, right? Um, nobody's going to buy that picture with me. Right. So. This is Career Crossroads, the premier talent acquisition community online at www.cxr.works with your host, Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin. Um, when you started your, uh, your, your first talk about what you have, and it was just a beautiful set of uh, inferences that you were drawing, um, <clears throat> you, you did note that you're not concerned at this moment uh, with the accuracy of all of that, you're trying to do the best you can with what you've got. Uh, but the yep. truth of the matter is, if the foundation of data is not cleaned up in a quality way, then our decisions are going to be uh, come under question as well. Um, and so, fundamentally, right. one of the one of the issues that we're going to have to deal with is how data is collected and cleaned so that we have a consistent confidence that we can make choices about that. And it's very fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And what's frustrating too is that in, in consumer marketing, they've, they've nailed this already. They've, they, they've, they've got a better sense for, for, for their data, its integrity, and they have standards. We're still kind of fishing in the dark here a little bit. Which is and, and I mean, you will talk to people on the consumer side and they, they will echo some of these challenges for sure. sure. Um, but yeah, they have, they have. They're much farther process. along. Yeah, they're much, they're much farther yeah. along. Towards, well, at least at least some confidence. I think there's also the issue of the different ways that that data is collected. You're by and large using uh, the technology that you have available to you to pull that information in. But you also want to pull in information about uh, the degree to which some some part of that has a relationship with someone within your organization. So the degree with re that referrals are involved, the degree that um, other, to other information is um, necessary for you to fully understand what, the, what those touch points were, whether they truly were the first point or the last point, um, and what went on in between that might have influenced their decision to move forward. Um, and so, right. and so integrating all of those pieces into a single dashboard is, is still out there for most of us. Sure. Uh, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see if we can, uh, build, uh, a common, uh, platform, if you will, uh, for all of that to be put together. <clears throat> well, you know, Jerry, one of the things that's so important as we think about this, I think that original slide you talked about is, um, as we start to think about moving into the cognitive era. Right. Um, as we start to have 
new overarching um, analytics tools to start to um, take all this data and leverage it to make inference decisions based on it, right? Looking at um, AI technologies and other capabilities that come into play. We're already seeing them being explored, for example, and being able to look at um, uh, messaging impact and personalization capabilities, all of these things. They're going to be reliant on each of the different inputs that it gets to be somewhat standardized or to be connected together so that it can make good inference, right? Um, a machine, when it's starting to make inference and correlation, um, is not going to apply the same amount of just kind of personalized judgment that we as human beings inherently do, right? So to make it work and to work well for us, um, figuring out this shit of yesterday, right, um, the source of hire, is critical in order for us to be able to make all these new capabilities work for us. If all, if everybody's not speaking the same language, if all the data is not connected together and easily um, able to find how it works together and connects, um, then the machines aren't going to be able to help us make good decisions off of it. I would agree. And, and in addition, there's a human issue that's missing as well. We have too quickly uh, dismissed uh, the voice of the customer itself. So we're, we're making inferences about how candidates are touching us. Um, on their journey to us. And yet we, we've decided never to talk to them again about what they perceive is that journey because we, we think it's unreliable. They don't know where they've been. Well, you know what? We, we, we may have just asked them all the wrong questions in all the wrong ways. When they were um, asked a question of what was, what was it that, that caused them to uh, apply to your company, we gave them 400 different choices, all jumbled up in a variety of different ways. And it's no wonder that they chose the first one at the top of the list of the drop-down menu. Um, we need a better right. way to ask better questions of the customer themselves so that we can better understand how to obviously infer some of the things uh, that we're learning about that journey. And we've, we've, we've eliminated that. None of you talked about uh, a talking a self-report in any way shape or form or 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 really uh, getting guidance from the customer itself and yet none of you would solve problems without getting voice of the customer so. yeah you're, you're absolutely right and 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 we and we talk and we and we do go talk to the customer today it is frequently using our own language which makes it very right. difficult for them to be able to connect it to us we, yep, we could learn to do better and that's where those standards need to need to be uh, mm -hmm. enforced too mm -hmm. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna keep us moving great discussion um this is the data we've gotten so far um so everywhere from you know a few really bad um, a few uh, more not okays than anything else. A couple that are kind of in the it's okay category, and then we don't have anyone that's like our data is rock solid. So nobody feels that way <laughs> so far um, from the people we've talked to. And again, surveys open. Others are, are certainly welcome to to chime in here. Love to hear your your uh, your own experiences. Yeah, the, the, what I get is it's it's it basically is is telling us what we've assumed is that is that practitioners out there do not believe the data that they're getting. Yet, yet obviously, many of you are using that data to do the best you can with what you've got. 
And just to echo Eileen's point for the last slide about um, machine learning, the worse the data is, it's just we're going we're to put this on steroids. The problem must get much worse mm -hmm. yeah. if we apply a machine to it. It's just going to accelerate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's always a demand for newer, shinier things out there. People want to push for for AI use for personalization. Um, and I would love to do all those things, but we have to get the, the foundation right. And, and, and otherwise we're just going to be pointing fingers at each other when it comes to, to KPIs and what's real. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's why we're always going to be cautious with programmatic because it can be great in certain situations, but if your data isn't good, it's just, you're just jump balling stuff over and over again. You're, you're flooding with applicants who aren't good quality. So I'll make a point that uh, any of the folks who are uh, in the, audience uh you're welcome to write something on the chat i'll um i'll we can unmute you we can engage you but obviously it's not to um keep you out it's just to keep uh <laughs> noise in some organized fashion so chime in let's let why don't we move on there all right the next uh the next question up what tools are you using to help drive your recruitment advertising strategy so what what is the technology that's really, you know, underlying how you're how you're driving that strategy? And Jen, I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off with you. So um, I'm gonna talk about two new ones that we are um, starting to work with, and one's not launched yet. One's in the final production stages. One is called Altru, uh, which is basically we've been trying to drive to employee generated content for the last two two and a half years. Um, this will be our first foray into that space. And so Altru allows uh, an employee to record a 30 to 45 second video. And it's going to be a key new cornerstone for our career site. So it interacts with the content on the career site based on the search functionality of the user. So that, Jerry, going back to your, your comments about kind of meeting the candidate where they are, that will hopefully help to put the relevant content in front of the candidate. And we're looking forward to that going live. Um, and then the second tool I mentioned is Brazen, and it's a, a virtual career fair. And we've actually combined that in some cases with Text Recruit and a couple of other tools to try and make sure that we can drive some large high volume hiring for leads that we didn't convert. So meaning they had signed up for some sort of event in our high volume space, but for whatever reason, it, the day didn't work out for them. They might've moved on to a different job, but it's really trying to continue. Um, we always try and think about simple goals and the two simple goals I always try to drive towards is improving the candidate experience and then also converting the number of people that we have already in our purview. And so that one really addresses that aspect of it. And so that's become an interesting way for us to continue our interaction with, with candidates. I love, that, I love that recommendation of Altru. I'm going to check it out for sure, because I think <laughs> on the employer branding side, it, it's you know, yes. you're always trying to give voice to, to your employees, but you end up with a highly filtered top-down approach in terms of who you select for the, the profiles that you can put on your site and, and, I've really been rethinking how we do that because you just get very frustrated with uh, trying to find the, the perfect person that can represent everything, but then having the right diverse mix and the right geographies and the right business brands. And this should be a bottom up grassroots approach and, and it's more authentic that way as well. Well, and what's really fascinating about that, and Adam, I'm happy to share the, the deck with you because it's, it's got a lot of some really great stats, but the thing that I like the most about it is even though we do have this kind of approval process, so we have our, we'll look at it from a brand perspective and make sure we're not sharing things that we shouldn't be from a legal perspective. And then the business unit kind of gets the final sign off. We do have this one way to turn on or turn off that video. And if somebody leaves the organization, it's a much easier way to 
manage the content than versus, oh my gosh, I just spent um, $30,000 shooting a day in the live video. To your point, it's highly polished, looks really slick, but it's really not true. It's not exactly what that person experiences. You know, some of our field techs are crawling underneath mobile homes. It's not really what we want to put in the day in life, but it's reality. And so how do you convey those in a much more meaningful way is, is to have your, have your own people tell a story. So we're looking forward to it. So when we ask this question, our drop-down list had nothing to do with any of the tools you just mentioned. <laughs> so we probably need to update this um, question, but we were, we were focused on like what were the tools they were using to manage um, that source of hire data. Um, but really great, really great concepts as well. Um, but it was all over the map. We didn't even put a, um, uh, uh, a graph to this because the data was, it was all over the map in terms of what people are trying to use to measure, um, you know, what they're going to use. And so one thing I'd ask, so all true, when that comes into the mix, do you have a strategy for how that data will get measured in terms of performance? What are the thoughts there? So there, I mean, it's going to be more of an influence kind of going back to, to um, our conversation around that because it's going to probably, we can see the, their Altru has metrics built into the platform. So we'll be able to see the engagement level in different videos. So I, it, will it necessarily go into source of hire? We will be able to also measure that because um, we will have tags on that because it's part of our career site. Um, we've actually done a lot of work around our, pathway to conversion. And so we tend to go back to the digital tracking of that. Um, but where I want to kind of like, I want to go next is be able to measure out what we also have recorded in Brass Ring, which incorporates that recruiter perspective that we don't have the luxury of having on the digitally tracked version. So I don't know if that helps. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's differentiating between what is an influence and what is, what is actually one of the touch points. It's what yeah. happens at the touch point that gets measured in terms of whether it moves the needle from a conversion rate uh, from the point of view of their decision to move forward. So there's, there's I, I think we, what we have is we're overwhelmed with a variety of different types of technologies out there. We've got to decide what's in that, that uh, tech stack and then what we're doing with it in order to, in order to move the conversion or whatever we want to do. And that's why when we look at stuff like ATS and CRM, uh, we're, we're basically tracking, uh, tracking the fact that there's a touch point in there, but we may not know how they got there. Uh, or we just know the last place they stopped before they got there. And, and we start putting new tools on top of all of those things to, to look deeper um, at that journey and to understand what happened when they got there. So... It's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you know, uh, I was going to say a second piece to that, Jared, kind of riffing off of that for a second. It's not just where they went or how they got there. It was which version of which message resonated with that particular mm -hmm. audience. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it is a, there's this layered nuance to the data that makes it impactful and useful. Right. Um, which is really, I mean, that's like the um, Rosetta Stone to get to, right? We have, that, that, I don't know how we get there, but the ability to not only be able to tell me where did we hit and when and how did they manage that journey, um, but also which of the elements and the right messaging and the right, um, the, the right um, tone and all those different elements um, came together 
to start to move and to resonate and to make people have some sort of emotion which draws them to an action. And, and until I can see that, I can't really influence um, the work that my recruitment marketing team is doing, for example. Cool. All good points. All right, I'm going to move us on. Next question is, what types of sources are you using to recruit talent and what are you excited about? And Alyn, I'm going to start with you. Um, so we're using kind of all the standard sources that are out there, right? So obviously, um, our career mark, we look at our career marketing site as our hub source, right? Um, and then we have a variety of stuff that, um, from a digital perspective, moves people in and out of that career marketing site. Um, can be everything from um, uh, uh, emailing to text to, um, uh, you know, point and click advertising that's existing out there so that we use as source. Then we have a lot of um, live source work that we do, um, events, campus recruiting, um, uh, everything from that to handshake cards at, at conferences that, that we track at some level to start to give us that information. I think the stuff that we're most excited about um, are the things that are starting to cross the boundary between um, what feels like a live or personalized um, interaction with a candidate, um, but is actually able to execute at scale. So for example, you talked about Brazen, right, and the ability to do virtual career events. Um, or other technologies and sources that are going to allow us to reach on scale, but in a personalized way um, to our candidates um, in order to pull them in and to actually get that a sense of what it's like um, to work in our environment. Very cool. So um, these were these were just some of the ones, and the, the data here is, is all over the place. So Martin, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you've got any any words of wisdom on this topic from uh, clients you've worked with? Yeah, sure. So you, a couple of, well, lots actually. Wisdom-wise, that's, that's a shorter list. Um, but I'll, I'll focus on something that we, we measure a lot uh, and pretty obsessively here and for our clients, and that's helping other clients too, is we, we call it, um, it's an internal term, uh, quality applicants, which means different things externally. So for, for, for lack of a better term, we'll, we'll call it silver, silver medalists. And what we like to look at is not just uh, number of replies, number of hires, but there's a third metric in there where we work with our clients to, to work out what in your, in your, in your interview workflow is, is, is a quality applicant. If somebody makes it past the second round, is that someone who, who you think is great, even if they aren't hired? It still means that they're, they're pretty solid quality. Or is, your, is, your, is your phone screen, where, where in that kind of that workflow and that, that, that list is the cutoff where they, if they made this far, they're pretty, they're pretty darn good. And that can vary by department as well. So your, your tech team might be like, if they can make it past our virtual whiteboard and make it in here, they're really good. Versus your call might be like, look, we bring in more bodies. They make the second round, they're good. So you can sort of, you can, you can bucket it by, by role and kind of category. But from there, then you, start, you, can, you can start measuring your sources and say, well, if we had 100 applicants from, from source A and one got hired, we had 10 from source B and nine were silver medalists. The source B is actually pretty good. It's just a, it's a, it's 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 a little more efficient, frankly, versus A, which is which is flooding our flooding our team, and they got lucky with one hire. So that 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 third metric, that that's that source of quality applicant, that silver medalist, whatever you want to call it, helps kind of guide you as far as um, a control on your experiments. So you actually can can gauge the yes, yes, so the source of hire actually is really good. It's also source of all of our silver medalists, or it's they got lucky, but this second source here, don't discount them next time around. You might get the hire. So it's, I, I, I like looking at that piece too, if that, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. absolutely. And it's, and Alain, I was reading one of your articles recently about um, 
pipelines over RECs and, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and all the work that Intel has been doing around that. And I, I think the term you guys used was putting people safely back in the pipeline <laughs> um, <laughs> after they've interviewed so that um, you can continue that relationship with them. Um, and yeah, I think, I think the, the tracking yeah. behind that, that's a key thing too. Yeah, this, this yeah. ties to that for sure. Yeah, when you were talking, yeah, you were talking pipelines earlier, I was like, yeah, she could, you get it. You totally get it. So it's that idea. Right. I, I mean, this is, and this is a challenge, right? If you start thinking about um, moving from just focus on the transaction of individual hires, but start thinking about um, how are you managing engagement and the relationship with people over time inside that pipeline, what I need out of source of hire or source of or touch point data becomes very different. Um, and I don't necessarily know we know if we know what that is yet. Silver medalist stuff, though, excites me. I think that's um, very close to near and near to where we need to start going and understanding at least where is it starting to influence our ability that's to understand true. people who are of value to us. What what's quality over volume, mm -hmm. right? Which is part of what silver medalist data starts to get to. And when we're talking about quality, we're often talking about the quality at this moment. Um, right. Some of the folks that ten to one who never get to the point where they're they become silver medalists may in fact be great quality clients, uh, quality uh, prospects a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. But we really don't invest much in understanding why those individuals made the effort to apply, then never got any further because they just didn't have what we were looking for at this moment. And we, we, need a, we need a deeper understanding of that group as well. And I understand we need to do, do this pipeline in probably order of priority, but I don't think we should mm -hmm. forget that there's people who have invested significant time in demonstrating they're interested in us, but never go any further. Right, and, and by the way, Jared, the flip side of that is we invested time, money, and resource to attract them in the first place, right? Exactly, that's true. Um, I, I talk about them as our gold, right? We, we spent money on them. They're there. We might as well do something with them or learn enough about them to figure out what to do with them later on so I don't have to go respend, right? Yep. Reduce the recycling method. Reduce, cool. reuse, recycle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we've been pretty much talking about touch points. So I went ahead and brought up that next question um, around, you know, that, that importance to measure the ability of a touch point, um, which is what we've been talking about largely. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, considered it a nice to have um, all the way to a, a deal breaker. Um, nobody thought it was optional. Any other commentary from from others on the on the panel as it relates to touch points and tracking? It just confirms what I think people are are realizing, and that is, um, we may not have confidence in the data, but we think it's important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that yeah. delta is kind of scary. And, and so we're even going to deal with bad data if we have to, uh, because it's that important to us. Yeah. This one ties to, to the first one, which is just um, the technology itself that you're using to track. Um, and Jen, I'd love to start, start with you on this one is just, you know, how well do you understand the technology that's in place today that you're using to, to track the data that you do have that you're, that you're leveraging um, the decisions? Like how much has it been tested and confirmed on your end versus just we're getting this data and using it? Does that make so sense? I'd say that 
I, I'm probably, I would say about 50% of it, I feel pretty confident on because that's what we've been the tracking on the two and, a, and that's just all digital tracking tags. I'd say the other 50% is that squishy weird stuff that is somewhere in the touch points, um, but isn't digitally tracked. And so it's, it's, you know, it's the rest of it. It's the employer referrals, which, you know, we, we, we rely um, sadly on our, our RFOs to have someone that dictates that that person was an employer referral. Um, right, wrong, or otherwise, that's currently how we do it. And it's, so there's certainly optimization that can still happen. Um, and that's why I say you're never done. Like there's always going to be some other area where you're going to want to dig into and, and make it more valid. Um, but the more you can get it validated, obviously, is goal. Yeah, and, and I would say just in terms of just understanding technology itself, often tricky because technology is, has gotten more and more complicated. But the couple times that I've really been able to – to dig in deep when when implementing technology, whether it was like a, a referral system, or when I was working with Mary Grace and, and implementing Smashfly at McGraw Hill, like the more I, I kind of dug into it, of course it brings up more questions about the data and really the data, but it also really helped me understand new ways that, that I could use this technology and, and then make decisions off of it. You know, when I suddenly realized, oh, we can post the same uh, the same job, but with two different titles, two different job descriptions, really do A-B testing and then understand with which sources this is working better and, and what quality of candidates are coming. You know, that was a, a bit of a, a breakthrough moment for me to, to work on, on other things, projects that I'd always wanted to do. Like, how do we do better job descriptions? Uh, you know, you can use the technology to help you prove, prove some of your, your pet projects and your, and your theories once you understand how things work better. And I can tell you as somebody who was on the builder side of this stuff, um, there are many layers and it's vigilance and testing and then more vigilance and testing to keep it consistent. And, um, you know, I, there, there are nuances to it and it's, it, it can be straightforward, but it, it, it takes being a priority. So. Yeah. All right. Um, and this was this was on the uh, veering on the not well understood. So everything kind of um, was was even except for the veering on the I don't quite understand what's going on under the covers here <laughs> was what most people um, have answered on this one. And we've got 10 minutes left. So I want to I want to get us this is the last kind of question we had and then we can I don't know Jerry if any questions have come in from the group but yeah, um, okay so last but not least of the sources um, influencing a candidate's journey if you could choose so let's say that you got to wave your magic wand and choose how technology should work moving forward you know which which would you think is most important in determining um, the value of a source today for example every source touch point gets equal weight the First one gets more weight. The candidate gets to choose what gets the most weight. Um, the last one gets the most weight. Like if you got to choose um, of the candidates, what? How would you want to choose what's what's most important? Or do you have thoughts on that? And Elin, I was going to start off with you on this yeah. one. So. <laughs> I know I'm pausing. I'm like, hmm, what do I think? So I. I'm not so sure they all get equal weight, but I would tell you I am much more interested in uh, the touch points and, and understanding all of the touch points than I am the last touch point to the higher. Um, and maybe that's because we're in, a, you know, at Intel, at a large enterprise, 
um, level, getting people to apply is not my problem. <laughs> it, it just isn't. Um, my problem is getting people to engage and getting people to apply to the right thing. So as much as I can use um, the data around touch points and where candidates are interacting with us to help me understand that and to help influence that and to get the right people to the right opportunities, um, that's more useful to me than the in-state. So the last stop is actually pretty, I mean, I, it's not useful at all for me. It, it's all the stuff in between. Yeah, I mean, it's about what they do in that last stop, potentially, that, that has the most impact, especially when when you see such a, um, a strong um, sense of the career site is the, is mm -hmm. the largest source of hire. And I'm going, well, right. okay, that was the last stop they made. We, we don't know how they got there or why they even bothered mm -hmm. to come. We would have loved to have done that because maybe there's some people missing that we would have loved to have come to our website. So they could have been uh, applying. But obviously, if, if you're concerned about the issues around why they apply or, or that they're replying to the right thing, then, then you're looking at what, what they did when they were at the career site that gave them some sense that they could apply for the wrong thing, if you will. And you, yep. didn't, you didn't help them to direct uh, to the better, the better job. Yeah, yeah. And you nailed it on the head right now. If you look at just the, the last stop, nine chances out of 10, and we know we see this every day, our biggest um, source of hire is our career site. Well, of course it is. The digital a, journey all points I, I will it. tell you, I have a gut sense <laughs> right? that there's been a significant increase in um, candidate decisions that are based in part on relationships that they have or develop while they're in this journey. And yet we don't yep. measure, we really don't capture that. We have a formal, you know, referral kind of thing. But, but if, you, if you really look at the kind of casual things that never get counted as referrals, um, they may go to Indeed, they may go to Glassdoor, they may go to uh, your website directly because they've heard about you uh, in the news, whatever it is that, that caused them to get there. But somewhere in all of that, they go, yeah, this is interesting. They've got, I see that they have real jobs. Now I'm going to go call somebody and they do and they talk to them and they engage and now they come back and they make a decision to move forward. And we've not captured the impact of the decision. And that's where I think we, we should be collecting more data. And, um, and, and that's going to be a key issue, I think, for the future. Jerry, you are so spot on. I, my last week, my like my plea out there to all CRMs and recruitment marketing platforms where I am able to go and capture engagement data, um, they have to give me a way to do exactly what you just said, Jerry, be able to capture the personal engagements that are happening so it can be part of how I track that entire journey. Today, most of them only allow me to track it um, from the auspices of being able to put it in a note or capture it and say, somebody talk to them. It's actually a source. Right. Um, and I need to look at all of it in relationship as a source. And even if you, even if you um, attempt some form of communication with the candidates themselves to ask them a little bit about their journey, right. uh, the, the, the tools that we tend to have are extremely, still very primitive in terms of how they set it up. So we're going to have to have a, a nuanced improvement in some of that hardware and software 
out there if we're going to be able to dig into this a little bit better. So one of the one of the things Jerry and I have been talking about, um, and I forgot there was one last question, <laughs> which is um, this concept of you know we've all got opinions, um, experiences, and viewpoints um, on this. Um, you guys, based on your experiences, are farther along, honestly, than a lot of organizations in your thought model on this. Um, and I've, I've experienced uh, the, the, the steps backwards from consulting over the past year with um, small organizations that haven't been working with even some of the basic tracking needs um, that are needed to support passing source data into the ATS, for example, or having the tracking pixel on the final page, which are just kind of table stakes um, in my historic viewpoint. And so um, I come to Jerry with this you know, discussion point of what if there were standards? What if we established so that the talent act, acquisition industry in general understood this is what we should expect from our providers. This is what a click means. This is what a view means. This is what a conversion means. So, you know, if there was an independent body that got together and established those standards so that practitioners understood this is, this is what the industry is, ask, is asking us to do um, and that they had something concrete to work against, do you think that would be helpful for talent acquisition providers um, and or practitioners as yourselves um, thoughts on thoughts on that? Well, Ed, let me way. let me uh, um, just talk about this from a slightly different piece, because I think the word standards very often raises a whole set of issues as to whether uh, there's a, f uh, you know, you're forced to, to do things a certain way as opposed to guidelines uh, threshold. Um, agreements around some of the definitions in terms of what they are so that so that a vendor or a, a provider could be able to say you know uh, here is what the the guidelines call for and we can comply with them this way or we've enhanced them or augmented them by adding this feature to it um, I, I think it's going to be important for us to better be able to be able to benchmark amongst ourselves, um, as well as just have a, a kind of an agreement uh, that allows for just broader dissemination of what we're doing. And yes. I didn't mean to Jerry, thanks for the additional context. I do think that it's extremely important to set standards when I think about the fact that I'm fortunate to work for an organization that happens to have part of the organization in advertising sales. So understanding, having having standards, but also understanding the value of advertising is kind of helpful in my case, personally, in, internally, to um, have the function I have. Um, not a lot of other organizations, smaller businesses, won't have the luxury of having access to such tools. So I think um, by having those, you're really helping those organizations that may not have like a full-blown recruitment marketing team, for instance. And so I think that's where, that's where the value in my mind comes in, in the play. Yeah, I think it's even more important in those cases. You know, if you're, you know, a one-man show or a one-man show with lots of dotted lines, as as you know, I am, and I think a lot of people in in the marketing space are. It, you know, where do you go to define what 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 is it that we that we are measuring and need to measure? I think it would be very useful. Cool. How about you, Alan? How would Intel feel about that? Yeah, uh, it's critical for us, right? I mean, it is, um, as, as I mentioned, if nothing else, to be able to have 
an outside body say this is what it is um, helps me even internally, right? To have that conversation across a variety of different business groups in a global organization to say a click is a click is a click, um, and this is what it means, um, and that all of the vendors are aligned to that and executing to that, it changes the game. It takes the time that I have to spend from having that conversation to actually being able to analyze and use the data. So one of the things that we could do, um, literally starting next week, is to have a call uh, for, for providers, uh, consultants, and practitioners to participate in a 90-day, so June 1 to September 1, be able to build a set of guidelines um, that practitioners, it, it, that meet those kinds of guidelines, if you will, that we're talking about, at least move towards define, better defining some of those key issues. And then hopefully it's something that you can use from a practical point of view to have a conversation with whoever is helping you collect and clean and report on some of that data so that you can get to where you want to go a little bit faster with a little more confidence that what you've got uh, at least is consistent and can reliably, reliably be repeated. And that could be a key issue, I think. If we could do that, I think we'd be moving the needle a little bit. So to that end, there is a um, there's a link if you're interested in being involved in helping set the, the standards or the guidelines or whatever we decide to call it. Um, if you're interested in getting involved, there is a link on uh, gracerock.com slash source of hire um, to uh, share your information and and how you'd like to participate. Um, and we'll, we'll be able to garner level of interest and, and uh, work to, to move things forward from there. Um, some good, good, I think that's a great way to end, but we do have a couple questions that have been cropping up. I know that Glenn uh, most recently just said, uh, why hasn't anyone in this webinar mentioned chatbots yet? Um, only because that's another hour's worth of conversation, Glenn. Um, and uh, everybody is, is ser seriously considering them though. I will tell you at least 25% of my members have some kind of ongoing effort to begin playing with chatbots in some way, shape or form. I will tell you that um, off to the side that uh, probably within two months, a major retailer that hires hundreds of thousands of store workers will in fact uh, white label their own chatbot that will take care of uh, most of the, rec of the uh, uh, recruiting process. Um, and when that announcement comes out, I suspect it'll be through, it'll, you'll see it in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal almost immediately. Um, and uh, someone then commented that um, maybe chatbots haven't been getting all of the, the value, but you know, it is what it is. We're going to, tomorrow there'll be something else that, that we've never even heard of before that people will look at as the, uh, the final source that will handle it all. Um, I think blockchain is back. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of questions in here. I think, um, I think that those of you who raised some of those questions, uh, love to see you on the committee because I think we're going to have some conversation about 
how we should be looking at sources uh, and providing some guidelines around how to do this in a way that's consistent in a variety of different ways. I do think uh, this has been a great conversation. Jerry, thanks so much for, for, for uh, teeing us up and uh, helping, helping, helping get this going. So it's been, a, it's been fun. This, this recording will um, end about now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Career Crossroads. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.cxr.works. Facebook.com and Twitter.com slash Career We'll catch you next time.